0: Hey, I'm Stephen Billings, and thanks for checking out this message today. We're so glad you're here and would love to connect with you. You can text 97000 with the words River Connect to share any prayer requests or just to say hello. It would be so great to hear from you. Lastly, if you would like to give to the River Church today, you can give by texting the amount that you would like to give to 84321. You can also head to our website and click on the Give tab at the top of the page as well. Thanks again for joining us, and I hope you have a blessed day. So I gotta know, how many of y'all in this room were troublemakers, or maybe are troublemakers, right? Yeah, you know, I think some of y'all are lying. Yeah, you know, I I see a couple being honest, but I think the the majority of y'all are lying, right? And here's what I had a question of, right? It, when you got in trouble, right? When when you knew when you got home a whooping was coming, right? When you walked in the front door, did you walk up to the whooping giver and be like, "Hey, how was your day? I had a great day at school." No, no, right? You walk in, and the first thing you're trying to do is slink off to your room, right? All right, avoid any conversation, right? Trying to avoid anything that could put you in punishment's way, right? You know that they know. You know a punishment's probably coming, but you're doing everything you can to try and, like, maybe they'll forget, right? Right? Maybe, maybe I can avoid, maybe if, you know, if I just give it time, if they like simmer down, right, maybe it won't be quite as bad, right? The last thing you want to do is put yourself in punishment's way. The last thing you want to do is confront what you did, right? And that's a natural reaction, right? I don't think any of us, you know, are looking, to answer for the trouble that we caused, right? I don't think any of us are like, yeah, we're cruising for a bruising and I can't wait to get it, right? No, we're all trying to avoid that. We're all trying to avoid responsibility. We're all trying to, you know, resist having to answer for the things that we've done. That's part of our human fallen condition. And the sad thing is, We view God as this punishment giver. We view God as this person who is waiting to deal out some consequences. And so when we sin, when we mess up, when we make mistakes, when we do things wrong, like we do, right? We're spiritual troublemakers, like we do, What we try and do is avoid him at all costs. We hide. We try and keep our distance. We try and avoid prayer. We try and avoid his word. Why? Because we think that when we go to him or when we turn to him, he's just waiting to give us a spiritual whooping. But that's not the case. That's not the case. That's not how things are. And so tonight what we're going to do is we're going to look at, uh, at something that John writes in 1 John. We're going to look at the book of 1 John. And a revelation that John gives us that contradicts what we tend to mistakenly believe about God. But before we jump into God's word, let's pray together. If you'd bow your heads with me. Lord, we love you. Lord, tonight we come to your word and we look to understand. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would illuminate for us, that you'd help us understand. Lord, and you would give us clarity and understanding so that we can live differently. Lord, we love you in your precious holy name, Jesus' name. Amen. So turn with me to to the book of 1 John. We're going to be in chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. And so last week we started this series called Praying Through. And Pastor Josh Combs was here and he he gave us a beautiful picture of what prayer is and the purpose of prayer and helping us understand why we pray. All those different things. I encourage you if you weren't here to go check that out. It's on our website. But Really, we kicked off this series on praying. And some of you may say, you know, Justin, what does prayer have to do with my recovery journey? And the question that I would ask back to you is, what doesn't prayer have to do with your recovery journey? It is essential. It is core, right? If we look at specifically the, this kind of series all stemmed around the step 11 of The celebrate recovery steps, right? We, we look at some different, uh, content that, uh, that is used in the recovery world and we kind of, we, we use that, right? God gave us those tools and he blessed us and it's based out of his word. But step 11 is we sought through prayer and meditation to approve our, improve our conscious contact with God, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and power to carry that out. If you want a relationship with God, you got to talk to him. If you want to understand what he is directing you to, you got to talk to him. If you need help and encouragement, if you're in a time of need and struggle and drought, you got to talk to him. And that happens in prayer. And so, We really believed as a church, as we looked at the month of November, we're like, man, this needs to be about prayer. But the problem is, prayer is something that intimidates a lot of people. Prayer is something that's scary at times. Or sometimes our guilt and our fear and our shame gets in the way of us praying. Or sometimes prayer just isn't the priority that it should be in our lives. And so we want to look at some different instances throughout Scripture that talk about what prayer should be in our lives. Because it is crucial. It is essential. It is our lifeline. And so tonight we're going to take a look at one of the things that I think gets in the way of our Desire to pray. Specifically in the recovery community. And that is guilt and shame. So turn with me to 1 John 2, 1 and 2. It says this, Follow along. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And so we pick up here. In first John chapter two, where John, he's writing about how these people should live right? He's telling us as believers, here are the things that you should do. Here are the ways in which you should seek to obey God. God has given you instructions according to his word, and so you should live according to those things. And when you look at sin or disobedience of God's word, right, doing things that are contrary to who God is and what God has commanded us, you should avoid those things. And so he starts off in John chapter 2 by saying, "Hey, look, all of you, I'm writing these things so that you avoid sin so that you understand how to live as believers." But he continues. Pick up in the second part of verse 1. "But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with our Father Jesus Christ, the righteous." He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And so what John says here as he's writing, he says, the desire is that we don't sin. The desire is that we live lives of perfection for God. But we know all too well we don't. We mess up. We screw up. We are troublemakers. We do things wrong. We don't live perfect lives. We don't live holy lives. Even after the point of salvation. And so he includes, but if you do sin, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And so as we take a look at this verse, or these two verses in 1 John 2, there are two specific words that I want to take a look at that really help illuminate to us what should affect our prayer life and how we handle sin when it comes into our lives. So the first word I want to look at is at the start of verse 2. We're actually going to start in verse 2 and then we're going to work back to verse 1. So in verse 2 it says, He is the propitiation for our sins, and not only for ours, but also the sins of the whole world. And so we're going to take a look at that word propitiation. Now here's the thing. Propitiation, that's a great Scrabble word. So you need to write it down, right? If you're playing words with friends with some people, right? Write that down. It is a great word. But what it means is a sacrifice or something that makes atonement. And even that may be a stretch, right? Atonement is not something we use in our everyday language. But basically what it is, is it's to make right something that was made wrong, right? There is a wrong that has happened and someone who is the propitiation or something that propitiates makes right that thing that was wrong. And so when you look and you say, wait, so Jesus, right? He says Jesus is the propitiation and he's the propitiation for our sins, Wait, how does that work? How does he atone? How is he a sacrifice for the sins of the world? Well, I'm glad you asked, right? If you look back in scripture, right, we first have to look at what was made wrong. And you can turn all the way back to the book of Genesis, right? In the beginning of creation, God created the world and he created humanity and we were perfect and we worshiped God. And the way that we worshipped God was through a relationship with him, right? Adam and Eve, they walked with God in the garden, but they disobeyed, they sinned. God gave them a command. He said, do not eat from this tree. You can eat from any other tree. Don't eat from this tree. And what did they do? They did. They ate from that tree. Now, they were tricked by the serpent. But what they chose to do was to doubt God and disobey God. And thus, sin came into the world. Right? They were kicked out of the Garden of Eden because God is so perfect and so holy that he cannot be in the presence of sin. And so thus separation happened. And that relationship that was perfect and good where we, we did what we were meant to do, which was worship God through our relationship with him, it was messed up and broken and there was separation. And thus, humanity was broken. Thus, what was right was now wrong. And we had a need. We had a need, right? We had a need to fix that which was wrong. But we couldn't do it on our own. I, I don't know if you know this, you can't be a good enough person. It doesn't work. You can't wash your clothes in the mud. It doesn't work. But we try and we try and we try and we try and live as good people. But God still looks and he sees and he sees what was right was made wrong and his heart breaks. And so what he did was he sent propitiation. He sent someone to make right what was wrong. And that person is Jesus. And the way in which he does it is Jesus came and he lived on earth. And he was both 100% God and 100% man. And he lived and he was perfect. And what's even more a beautiful, beautiful depiction is in Matthew chapter 4 where Jesus, he Is tempted directly by Satan in the same way. In in an incredible depiction of what happened in the garden, Jesus was tempted by Satan. And he did not fall, he did not sin, he did not disobey. And he was actually tempted multiple times and did not disobey, he did not sin. And he lived his life sinless. And what he did was he went to the cross and he shed his blood and he died for you and for me. He died to pay the price for sin. He died to be the atonement. He died to be the sacrifice required. He died to make right what we had made wrong. And then he rose again, showing that he had finished, that he stamped this seal that could never be broken, that we as believers were bought and paid for by his blood. And thus we have this beautiful picture of this idea of him propitiating for our sin. That is what he did. His mission on earth was to come and to teach, but to ultimately atone, make right what we made wrong. And we have this beautiful picture of the gospel, right? Where, where we're told if we believe in our hearts and we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and we follow him with our lives, right? That forgiveness is offered to us. That atonement is given to us. He wipes clean our sin and not just our sin from birth until salvation, but our sin in our entire lives is forgiven, is atoned for. The check will always clear the spiritual bank. And this, this truth, this is the gospel. This is good news. I don't know if you are hearing what I'm hearing, but that is good news, right? I'm excited. I am so incredibly thankful for the good news of the saving work of Jesus Christ in my life. For the propitiation of my sins. For the propitiation of the sin of the world so that people have an opportunity to be saved. And this essential truth, this truth of the gospel of the good news, is something that we have to reflect on. The gospel is more or is as important for the lost as it is for the believer of 30, 40, 50 years plus. Why? Because we have the tendency to go back to who we were. We have the tendency to try and work it out and be a good enough person. We like to put paying for our sins on ourselves and the things that we do. But the gospel reminds us it's not about that. It's about the work of Jesus Christ. Because here's the thing, both in the lost person and the person who has followed God for so long and everywhere in between, we have the tendency to feel that shame and that guilt and that fear that God is just going to bring down the punishment hammer on us, right? We get this picture that when we sin as a follower of Christ, that God is just ready and waiting to be like, Pfft. <sighs> All right, let's get down to punishment time, right? We have that tendency to think that God is just waiting and ready to deal out our punishment. But that's not the case. That is not the case. As long as we have salvation through Jesus Christ, we have been given forgiveness, right? This doesn't mean God overlooks our sin. He still gives judgment, but that judgment was propitiated. That judgment was atoned for. That judgment was taken by Jesus Christ. It was met. It was given to Christ Jesus in our place. God is just, he punishes sin, but that punishment is not given to us, it is given to Christ. And that is a fact that I'm so, so thankful for. But the thing is, we think that somehow like that makes Christ like embittered against us. Or that he's angry, he's like, you keep on sinning, right? Didn't I bleed for that? Right? Didn't I go to the cross for that? And you're going to keep doing that? Come on. Or I can't believe I had to go to the cross for that person. You kidding me? Christ is not embittered in the fact that he died for you. He's not angry at you because he went to the cross for you. No, he loves you. It's the opposite of what we think because truthfully, that would be my reaction, right? I went to the cross for you and you're gonna keep acting like that? Wish I hadn't. That's not how he responds at all. He is not bitter. He is not frustrated. He is not angry with you. He did all of this because he loves you. And that takes us to the second word that I want to look at tonight. Jump back with me to verse one. Second half of verse one. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And that word there that is so great to hear is that word advocate. Christ Jesus Is advocating for you. When you sin, right? As a believer, when you walk for and you're walking towards Christ and you're looking to follow him and you mess up and you sin, Christ is with the Father and he's saying, He'll get it. He'll get it. He's mine. I've saved him. They'll figure it out. He's been given grace. I love him. I love them. He is that advocate. He cares for us. Even though we sinned, even though we were the reason that he suffered and died, his love for us is so deep. His desire for us to be called his own is so true that he sits and even in the face of us continuing to sin and continuing to struggle and continuing to give in, he sits and he advocates for us. Man, is that good to hear. And it reminds me of another passage in Romans chapter 8. If you turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Paul writes of this same truth. He talks uh, and he reminds those who he's writing to of the deep love that Christ has for us. Even in the face of our sin, even in the face of what we do wrong. And honestly, I could preach a whole nother sermon on Romans chapter 8 verses 34 and 39, but I really want you to get to table groups, so I'm going to limit it. But I'd encourage you, read this passage maybe later in the week again and Maybe listen to another sermon on, or study it, or or read, you know, maybe a devotion on this, because it is such a rich passage. But here's what it says. Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 34, going to verse 39. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? And who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for our sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And you need to realize that tonight. Christ's love is... He's so powerful that he went to the cross and he died for you so that you could not be separated from his love. Yet we love to separate ourselves. We love to hide. We love to flee. We love to avoid. Because we have this wrapped up notion that he's waiting To punish us, he went out of our way to save us. He went out of his way to offer us forgiveness. And we think now he's going to punish? We think now he is going to condemn? He's the reason we have no condemnation. So, turn to him. In those times of hurt, in those times of sin, in those times where we are being killed by our sin, where we are being led to the slaughter by our sin, turn to Christ. Stop turning away. Stop avoiding your father because you have someone who is an advocate, who is interceding, who is saying, he is mine. They are mine. And this is not something to take advantage of in the sense of just going on sinning, but this is an opportunity that you are given to turn to prayer for help as you seek repentance. In our times of sin, if you have accepted Christ Jesus and your Lord and Savior, you are not met with condemnation or, or punishment or hate or anger or fury or wrath. You are met with love and love and forgiveness with help in times of trouble. So when you struggle with sin, turn to prayer. We have this deep need for prayer because it is our lifeline to our father. So much so, that John says Christ Jesus is advocating for us. In those times of sin, you have to remember that Christ Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father and saying, they are mine. I know it may not look like it right now, but they are with me. He's not condemning. There's no hatred, there's no fury, there's love. And so I say again, stop running from God. Don't slink away to isolation. Don't run and dig yourself deeper into a hole of addiction. Don't stay on that bender because you can't face the music, turn to God in prayer. He is help, not trouble. He is forgiveness, not condemnation. He is love, not punishment. You may not be absolved of all consequences for your sin. Please don't hear that. But he is help in times of trouble. In times of sin. And it may be scary. It may be hard. It may take some accepting of responsibility. But help will come from nowhere else. Forgiveness can come from nowhere else except God through Christ Jesus who was the propitiation, who atoned for our sins by dying on the cross. And so tonight, I want to encourage you to turn to the Lord in prayer. Maybe it's been a while. Maybe it was right before this, whatever it may be. But prayer is essential Prayer is essential and we can't run from it. We can't hide from it and expect our spiritual lives to deepen, expect for our recovery journey to go well because it won't happen. And so tonight I encourage you, we're going to have table leaders who are down front. There's table leaders in the back. If maybe you're a little afraid, Or maybe you're feeling weak or you're feeling burdened and you need some help going to the Lord this evening. I got some brothers and sisters who will be down front who would love to help you, would love to encourage you, would love to even carry you to the throne of the Lord in prayer. Because they've seen how necessary it is. And they've been weak at times. And so I'd encourage you. you know, maybe during this next song, it's you sit, staying seated and praying. Great. Maybe it's coming down front. Or maybe after everyone leaves, it's you sitting in your seat and truthfully talking to the Lord and seeking him out in prayer. Seeking his help in the time of trouble, in a time of need. Do it. Because he is our lifeline. He is our Savior. He is Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, Lord, I thank you. I thank you because I mess up a lot. Lord, but I thank you that you still hear my prayers. Christ Jesus, I thank you that you are the advocate in my times of weakness. That you intercede for me when I am weak, when I give in to my sin. Lord, I thank you that you are not condemnation, but you are forgiveness. You are atonement. You make right what I so often make wrong. Lord, I pray for my friends in this room, Lord. Whether they don't know you, and I pray that they would see tonight, I mean, their deep need for you. Or maybe, Lord, they've known you for a while, but they, they got some stuff that they're working through, and they're trying to work through it on their own according to their own strength. Lord, I pray that they would turn it to you. Lord, that they wouldn't think they had to get it together before coming to you, Lord, but that they would know that you, have, you are interceding for them, that you are their advocate. But Lord, I pray that you'd help us to humble ourselves. And though we've maybe never felt loved in any other area in our life, that you would help us feel the love that you have for us. And Lord, you would help us to love you more and more and more each day. In your precious and holy name, amen.